Hello, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Thank you all for tuning in once again to the show. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson on Last Word Productions, and you all know I always get the last word. And I want to thank you all once again for being fellow and loyal subscribers and followers of my brand and my sports show. So if you don't follow me, however, I am on multiple platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, things of that nature. But I want to jump right into the show. And as we all know, NBA playoffs is upon us. You know, the bubble situation has been difficult for some players and some fans because, you know, it's just not the same atmosphere, the same playoff atmosphere, the nitty gritty. And in all honesty, man, it's showing in the games because a lot of teams who would have had home court advantage they're not looking like they really have an advantage in terms of that because there's simply no crowd to basically to hype them up or getting them aroused and thrilled to feel that second win to keep playing and pushing through, things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge adjustment for some players, man, and you can tell it's like legitimately taking an effect on the players, but... I think it's good. I think it levels the playing field for both. I don't think it gives anyone home court advantage necessarily, despite the fact that they do have more of the virtual fans for the home court than they have for the way. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just you just can't recreate that kind of atmosphere and that kind of effect, man. You mean no, no matter how hard you try, it's just not going to happen. But we're going to jump into the series I mean, thus far, I just want to start off saying this. Both LATs, man, they are in a fight, and they're in a fight way tougher than anyone would have guessed going up against the Mavs and the <clears throat> the Blazers. I mean, it's to me, especially the Clippers, because the Clippers were 3-0 against the Mavericks in the regular season, and their wins were pretty convincing. And Luka seemed to have to struggle with their dominant wing defenders at times, such as a Kawhi Leonard, such as a Paul George and Patrick Beverly. But you watch these first two games, this guy's just on a different level right now, man. I mean, he's, he's 21 years old, which makes it even scarier. Like, he's dominating in every which way, whether he's scoring himself, he's creating for another guy, controlling the tempo, the pace of the game, getting to the line, and just simply making the plays needed down the stretch to win. And what makes it even scarier, this series could have easily been 2-0 their way right now because you could legitimately make the argument if Chris Tops Porzingis does not get hurt, they win that first game, despite the fact they had great showings from Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou, and Lou Williams, and they was fully healthy with Patrick Beverly, who played the first game and missed the second one. They still only lost by eight after losing Chris Tops Porzingis early in the third quarter. I mean, it, I don't know. It just says a lot right now about this young Mavericks team that they're able to compete with such a high-level contender who many, <clears throat> excuse me, who many suggested and said should be the favorites to win it all. And they're neck and neck with them. They, I, don't, I don't even believe the Clippers led once last night, if I'm not mistaken. 
I mean, they jumped out. The Mavericks jumped out to a 15 to two lead on them out the gates early. It was, it was just total annihilation all night, man. What makes the, it what makes it close in terms of like, cause the the Clippers is to me the most talented and deepest team in the league. That's 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 not their problem to me. Their problem is, and what I said it would be against teams like the Lakers, and now you see it with the Mavs, and possibly even Portland. If Portland was to face them next round, is they just don't have the size inside. I mean, they have the great wing defenders. They have guys in Zuba and Noah who can be that, but they're just not that. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis is having his way. With anyone in the low block and at the wing, <clears throat> at the elbow, excuse me. And Bubon Marjanovic in 10 minutes put up 13 and 9. So that tells me they just don't have that interior force that's being that rim protector and that's contributing to a, a dominant inside presence. Or that can at least be intimidating. Because, I mean, their most intimidated download defender to me is Montrez Harrell, and he's 6'7". I mean, it's only so much he could do against two seven-footers. Let's let's just be honest. I love Montrez Harrell to death as a player, but what can he do against a guy like Chris Tarts-Porzingis and Bubon? Like, it's, it's, he just can't do much with them. He can't. They're, they're six inches taller, six, seven inches taller. There's, there's nothing you can expect of him out of them. And I mean, it's just, and uh, and most importantly, man, what I took away from that series is two things for both teams. For the Mavericks, their role players are playing huge, man. Like their dudes, like Trey Burke, <clears throat> Seth Curry, Denny, Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm sorry, and even Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That first game, they're they're playing big, man. They they want it. You know, they didn't come just to roll over because it's the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and company. They came to win. And like I said earlier, this series could easily be 2-0 right now, if not for what I, what many consider, me, myself included, a BS objection. Like, let's just call it what it is. I know, I know plenty of refs are going to back it. I know the rule analysts and rule. The dude who they have come on and explain why a tech is a tech and things like that. And I just think, man, it's a lot of guys in the league who get away with stuff like that. And it's just, to me, it's just unnecessary. It was uncalled for for a technical foul at that moment. And his first one was especially was just horrible. It was one of the worst tech calls I've ever seen in my life. But... That's not a hero there. The game is over, so over with and said and done. The series is tied 1-1. And another thing that stands out to me is Luka, man. I mean, he's just special right now. He's the quickest player to 70 points in the playoff career. So thus far, he's creating for others. He had a turnover bug the first game. He drastically cut that down the second one to literally one turnover the entire game. And he, despite the fact that he didn't play big minutes last night, he played 28 minutes, man, they still won by double digits. I mean, I don't, I don't think guys 
are realizing how good this Mav team is playing right now against the Clippers. I mean, I know a lot of guys are still going to take the Clippers to win the series, and I am one of them included. And I just feel as if that this is going to be a tougher series than a lot of people, including myself again, gave credit for because I had the Clippers winning this in six, maybe even five. But the way the Mavs been looking, man, the way Luka has been playing himself, he, he doesn't seem to be affected by anyone, no matter who's guarding him at this time. Man. I mean, he's just he's just red hot right now. Chris Tosposinguez is playing big. And I just don't know, man. I mean, this series could go anyone's way right now. And for the Lakers and the Blazers, I feel as if, if the Lakers lose tonight, man, it's a, it's a strong possibility this series could be over for them. Like, I just don't think they could overcome consistent bad guard play each and every night. I mean, it's it's been bad since the restart. Guys like Danny Green, Catavius Caldwell Pope, Alice Caruso, they they simply have to step up. It's no, it's nothing else to say. I know, I know, guys are going to sit here cast blame on LeBron James and Anthony Davis because they're the they're the two best. They, you know, they're the cream of the crop. They what they depend on offensively each and every night. You can't afford a bad shooting night from one of those guys again. AD eight for twenty four the first night can't can't do it. Simply can't. I know he got a tough he got a tough guard on him right now with a guy like Joseph Norkic and Hassan Whiteside, but he he has to he has to be dominant, man. He has to like he a lot of the things he missed the first game are usual makes for him, including free throws. So for them to only lose by seven with their backcourt and we as a team to be shooting 15% from the three, 35 from the field, to only lose by seven to a high-power Portland team, I mean, it shows that you can't be beaten, and it shows that you need to be in a game to beat this team because this isn't your average 30-win HC team, man. They, they got a future Hall of Famer in Melo on the team. Dame may be the hottest player in the league right now. C.J. McCullum, another good wing scorer at the guard position. Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench to compliment Joseph Norkis. They have the size. They have, they have the size to match up. They have the wing scorers to go out and get thirty both if need be. And I mean, it's just it's gonna be tough, man. It's, it's not gonna be easy. It's not. They need. They need more out of their role players, simply put. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. Look, look at the Mavericks. Perfect example. Despite the fact that Luka and Chris Tops Porzingis both had really good showings, Bubon gave you 13 off the bench. Seth Curry gave you double digits as well. I believe he had 17. Tim Hardaway had 17. I mean... You you just need you just need more out of those guys, man. They got it. You got to be able to hit shots. You can't be going out there going one for six, zero for nine, like how Alice Caruso and KCP did the other night. You simply can't. It's it's not going to win you any series, regardless of who you play. Just like with the Bucks when they lost their first game. Divincenzo, Brett Lopez, Pat Connaughton, I believe they combined for ten points together. DJ Augustine on the Magic. 
outscored all three of their top role players himself. You you you're not gonna beat no one playing like that. It doesn't it don't matter your seeding, record, who you got as your number one score, your second, it, it does it, that's insignificant and irrelevant if you're not going to be able to post big numbers. I don't care. Look, perfect example is Jordan scoring 63 and losing. Double over T, double overtime, sorry, to the Celtics and lost. Donovan Mitchell just recently to the Nuggets. I mean, it's not going to happen with one man. It's not. No matter who you are, no matter how many points you put up, it's not going to happen. Like, you're going to lose if you do not have those complimentary players. And that's why I say it's critical that guys like Danny Green, KCP, and Alice Caruso step up because their backcourt has taken a hit with the loss of Avery Bradley and the injury to Rajon Rondo. They simply just need more from the guys they have now. And I think it might be time to simply put a guy like Deion Waiters in a rotation and maybe consider J.R. Smith because... At the end of the day, Deion Waiters may not be the defender Alex Caruso is or KCP is. But you you need you need baskets to win, man. You need made shots. You're not gonna be on anyone with just defense. You need to put the ball in the bucket at the end of the day. And to be quite frank with y'all, I don't know how much big of a difference Caruso and <clears throat> Caruso and KCP are going to make on a guy like Damian Litter and another guy, CJ McCollum. I I believe those are the kind of players that are going to get theirs regardless. I mean, you could attempt to slow them down, but you can't do much of one guy pulling for 40 and the other one, he pulling everything down the stretch and seeming to hit majority of them. So it's like, you got to be able to play tit for tat sometimes. And if you got if you got dudes out there going four for twelve, zero for nine, one for six, I mean, you're, who are you going to beat? <laughs> those those are three guys who are getting at least twenty five minutes a game, and they can't even give you two made shots from the field consistently. Come on, man, you're not going to beat no one with that. You're just not. And for the rest of the playoff series, the Toronto Raptors series against the Nets is going exactly how I thought it would. I mean, the Nets had a chance to take game two. They simply didn't. They had some miscues down the stretch, who like some real ugly turn, a real ugly turnover late in the game that led to a Norman Powell breakaway dunk that basically sealed the game. And I just feel as if the Nets didn't have a chance at all. Once, literally, I believe have three key role players for them. Like Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, guys like that. Once they announced they were coming to play, I already knew it was over. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you're going to just beat a well-coached Raptors team in any game at any point with just Karis LeVert and Temple and Joe Harris. Like, it's not going to happen. And they're out there playing down to their third stringers. They had to sign... Jamal Crawford, a guy who didn't play all season off the street just to make depth. To me, it's just, it's hopeless for the Nets right now. They'll be a much improved next year, though, with KD and Kyrie coming back. But right now, man, they just got to take this one to the chin, on the chin. 
the, the other series, the Celtics and the Sixers, like, that's another one that seems lost. <laughs> Joel Embiid, my thing is, Joel Embiid is such a force in the inside. Like, he's such a dominant presence there. And it seems no one on the Celtics roster can virtually stop him. No one. Daniel Tice, Ennis Cantor, whoever you put, the, they're, they're not stopping him. Williams. He's killing all these guys, but it seems whenever they begin to play inside out, they always revert back to ball handling and guys creating their own. Like, I don't know what exactly Brett Brown is doing and saying to his players, but it ain't working. And at some point, he has to be held accountable for these poor execution and miscues because you see guys who in game one the Celtics literally killed them on pull up mid range and pull up jumpers all game from a pick and roll just simply off the screens Joel B refusing to step up and contest them and living with the shots I mean going against guys like Jason Tatum and Kimber Walker you're going to you're going to die by that more than you'll live by it so I don't I just don't understand the strategy there and to come out game two and do literally the same exact strategy until it the game is already out of reach, then you switch to his own. I I just don't understand the thinking. It's 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 terrible coaching. To me, that's not on the players. That's that's horrible coaching. You you have to give yourself you gotta put your players in position to be able to win. If you're going out there winningly Letting good shooters shoot, practice jumpers. You're not gonna beat. You're not gonna beat anyone. You're, especially a talented team in the Celtics. They they have some of the best wing scorers in the in the league. It's just not gonna happen, man. And to be frank with you, I don't I don't know how Brett Brown still has his job. But after this season. If they get swept by the Celtics, which is looking like it will be a sweep, he he has to go. I mean, a lot of guys want to say disband the team, like blow it up. You know, it ain't working. You coaching matters. Coaching matters. People need to realize that coaching matters. Look what Nick Nurse in two seasons is doing for the Raptors. Coaching matters. Guys want to say, oh well, that team was already put together. He's Nick Nurse is getting the best out of those players more than any other coach has ever done, especially Dwayne Casey. I mean, at some point, it has to just be reiterated that coaching is just as big as having talent on your team. It, it just is. Guys like Pop Popovich, guys like <clears throat> Nick Nurse. Eric Spolstra, these type of guys, nine out of ten times will put their team in more. Put I'm sorry, put their team in ways to succeed more than fail. I don't. I just don't see that in Brett Brown right now, man. I mean, he he's doing a horrible job and he's getting out coached tremendously. Like there's a huge difference between him and Brad Stevens right now. And Brad Stevens is another one who's going to put his team in the best position to win. 
But simply put, man, they're not doing it right now. I know Ben Simmons out, but it's only so far you're going to go if you out here letting guys take open 18-footers. I, I, just don't, I just don't see how that's benefiting you. You can sit here and say you, you want to live by it all you want, but I, I don't know how good of an option that is when you go against guys like Kimba Walker and Jason Tatum and, and even Jalen Brown. You, they're going to make them shots more than they miss them. That's just simply put. They're going to. And to be quite frank, I just don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> they keep going away from a B when he does get it going. And they keep trying to force the issue with guys like Shake Milton and Alice Burks coming off the bench. So I don't. It's, it's going to be hard for the Sixers to win the game man, with the way, the way they're playing currently. But another good series that I think could possibly go down to the wire to Game Seven: the Nuggets and the Jazz. Nuggets' first game had an overtime win, despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell went out and posted the highest scoring, the highest scoring, <clears throat> third highest scoring average for a young player, especially. I mean, fifty-seven just to lose—that's that's crazy, nonetheless. But at the end of the day, I feel as if. The second game showed that, you know, they're not going to lay down. They're not going to just give up. They're going to give it all they can, and they're going to keep it going the best way they can. And, boy, did they do that the second game. They absolutely controlled the game, the entire series, and it was just it was just ugly for the Nuggets, Jamal Murray included. Michael Porter Jr., as much as a talent he is, I, he, he has to become better on the defensive side. He just has to. I mean, to me, he's too big and too athletic to not be better than what he is. I know I know it's difficult, difficult for him to keep up with smaller guards, smaller forwards, because, like I said, he is a big guy. He's 6'10", so it is harder for him to get down in a stance against guys of that size who are like 6'5", 6'4", Six six and stay with them consistently, but he simply has to give give more effort. He should not be the guy who they target on the defensive side with that type of frame. But I think it's just a matter of coaching. I think it's a matter of experience and simply just practicing your craft and perfecting it, getting better. I, I believe he's going to be better a lot, a lot, a lot better defender than what he is currently. I think he's very much can be a, a really good defender. It's just about putting it together. I mean, you look at guys like Ben Simmons, who has a very similar build to him. He's one of the better defenders in the league on the perimeter at that as well. Like he's a guy who can take away, not necessarily take away, but he can definitely slow down a, a team's top top perimeter score. And he showed that this year with guard Jason Tatum. I mean, he Jason Tatum had his worst shooting nights against Ben Simmons. So Michael Porter Jr. has the ability, he has the athleticism and the, the build to be a good defender. It's just about trying at this point, putting in the work. And multiple series, to me, will be interesting and one of them I think I want to see how the Bucks play this second game man 
Just like I said with the Lakers, they have to, the role players have to step up. Not gonna be any. You're not gonna be anyone, and I mean anyone, without good role plays. It's just not. It's not gonna happen. Guys can tell you up and down how you know Giannis got to do this, and Middleton has to be Robin to the Batman. Despite the fact that Middleton did struggle from the field and he did shoot bad, I just think that it's it's just critical that you get good performances out of your role players. I mean, there's not much else to say. I, <laughs> I don't think people understand the value of a good role player. I mean, Lou Williams has showed you that for the past six seasons now. A good role player can make a huge difference. And guys just have to start appreciating that more often than not. But when not much going on in the NFL, outside of a few stories with Darius Geis, who is being accused of raping two women from his freshman year in college at LSU. Hopefully, you know, everything comes to light and justice will be served if he did do the the acts that they're accusing him of. But if he didn't, hopefully the two women will be held accountable for their lies as well. But thank you all again for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe, like, follow me on all my platforms. Facebook at Last Word Productions. Instagram, Last Word underscore Productions. YouTube, same as the Facebook name, Last Word Productions. And I'll see y'all in the next one. Y'all have a great day.